0: Today's show is sponsored by Okta, the leading independent identity solution. Okta provides best-in-class authorization so your customers and workforce can safely access what they need most right when they need it from anywhere. Organizations around the world trust Okta's Identity Cloud to sign in, authorize, and manage users, whether it's employees, contractors, partners, or customers. And with Okta's developer tools, you'll never have to build authentication again. Our customizable code blocks are flexible and future-proof, with easy-to-use APIs and SDKs, so you can do less coding and more shipping. Okta is dedicated to building the most reliable, neutral identity platform because it means protecting more than a login. Identity is protecting people, their ideas, their work, their brilliance. It's protecting your future with confidence. Learn more at Okta.com. That's O K cloudcast media presents from the massive studios in raleigh north carolina this is the cloudcast with aaron delp and brian graceley bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world
1: good morning good evening wherever you are and welcome back to the cloudcast we are coming to you live from the massive cloudcast studios here in raleigh north carolina hope everybody is doing well we continue to move through may of 2021 and uh you know, today on today uh, the Sunday's Perspective Show, we're going to look at, you know, I saw a thing out on uh, Twitter. There was an announcement from, from AWS this week. They announced uh, yet another container offering, a uh, variation on, on you know, application development and how it should interact with containers or not interact with containers. And it got me thinking, uh, there was a lot of, uh, some, some buzz uh, on Twitter and other places, um, somewhat about the service, but more so, you know, kind of like, okay, this is yet another way to do the same thing that there's already seven, eight, nine, ten, however many other ways there are to do this specific task. And so I thought what I would look at today is not anything specific to that AWS service. Uh, maybe we'll cover that in some other show or somebody else can write a blog post about it, who, You know, depending on how important it is. But really, to look at you know how when you think about your portfolio of, of offerings, right? Or you're an individual, you know, you're a company and you're building things. How do you think about the sort of you know do we build a platform or consume a platform, buy a platform, whatever? Do we do we use a platform and think about this sort of uh, vertical or horizontal platform, and then think about adding features to that platform, or? Do we think about what we should do is sort of the the toolbox approach where there should be lots and lots of individual services, uh, services that are then maintained, uh, probably as individual services that people can consume, or, you know, where should there be incremental change to a platform? Versus a service, and you know, if there's a new feature that comes along, is that just a feature of a service? Is that a feature of a platform? You know, what's the sort of thought process? And so, I wanted to kind of go through some of the thinking that goes on there, some of the trade offs that might be going on behind the scenes, and uh, you know, kind of what to think about both from a technology perspective, but also uh, how do you communicate this to the people who are going to use those platforms or services when they come back to you and they ask you things like. You know, are you going to maintain this for a long time? Are you going to support this? Are you going to help me transition from one to the other? Why did you do this? So we're going to get to all that right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Cloud Zero. For software-driven companies focused on growing margins, Cloud Zero is the only cloud cost intelligence platform that puts engineering in control by connecting technical decisions to business results. By analyzing cloud services like AWS and Snowflake, Cloud Zero provides real-time cost insights that help you maximize margins engineering teams can answer critical questions like, who are my most expensive customers? How much does this specific feature cost our business? What's the cost impact of re-architecting this application? With cost anomaly alerts via Slack, product-specific data views, and granular engineering context that makes it easy to investigate any cost, Cloud Zero is your complete cloud cost intelligence platform, connecting the dots between high-level trends and individual line items. Join companies like Drift, Rabbit7, and SeatGeek by visiting cloudzero.com slash cloudcast to get started today. That's cloudzero.com slash cloudcast.
0: Today's show is sponsored by Linode. Simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's Linux virtual machines. Develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Whether you're developing a personal project or managing larger workloads, you deserve simple affordable and accessible cloud computing solutions. Get started on Linode today with a $100 credit especially for listeners of the cloudcast. You can find all the details at linode.com/cloudcast. Linode has data centers around the world with the same simple and consistent pricing regardless of location. Simply choose the data center nearest you. You'll also receive 24 by seven by 365 human support with no tiers or handoffs, regardless of your plan size. You can choose shared and dedicated compute instances, or you can use your $100 credit on S3-compatible object storage, manage Kubernetes, and more. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Lennode. Once again, lennode.com slash cloudcast, and click on the create free account button to get started.
1: And we're back, and, as I mentioned in the top of the show, we're going to really kind of look at the difference between platforms versus services. How do we maintain them? When do you add new capabilities to one of those versus the other one when uh, you know when does one become too heavy? How long do you have to maintain all these things? And so I kind of wanted to dive into kind of the different aspects of kind of what goes through the thought process um not necessarily picking one versus the other, but kind of comparing the thought process from one to the other. So I'm going to put this into context. Uh, there was a new service announced from AWS this week called App Runner, which uh, you know is another way to run a container. And if you're familiar with sort of the container world, uh, let me give a little bit of background. My goal in this is not to sort of specifically go into any given service, but to sort of talk about Sort of the history or the progress that typically happens, um, you know, when you when you're sort of dealing with not only evolving technology spaces but uh, kind of user preferences and all that stuff. So, you know, let's put this in the context of AWS specifically. You could apply this to other cloud providers or software providers as well. Um, you know, when when containers sort of first came out. Uh, Amazon came out with a service called ECS, Elastic Container Service. This just allowed you to say, hey, I have some containers, I'd like them to run. And at the time, uh, this was sort of pre-Kubernetes, so think about this as the sort of time period 2013, 2014, 2015 between when Docker was sort of its own thing and then Kubernetes came along. Uh, So ECS comes along, it allows you to run containers, it has some orchestration that you don't really necessarily see, and, uh, you know, it, it basically... Uh, does this thing where it kind of manages the underlying infrastructure for you so you don't really have to think about scaling too much and then over time uh, they also come out with this this thing called Fargate which sort of manages the nodes for you so you know at the time you 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 have kind of not necessarily a standard Uh, they come out with an offering that offering evolves a little bit to make it somewhat simpler to run Um, and then the standard comes along so Kubernetes starts to kind of gain some traction and uh, amazon comes out with something called eks or elastic kubernetes service this was originally a thing that would just run kubernetes clusters for you essentially ran the control plane Um, and then over time people said well hey you know why can't i have this link to uh, that fargate thing that also manages the nodes for me so you get into the ability to take the thing that manages your control plane which could be either ecs or eks depending on which standard or flavor that you like. And you could combine that with a Fargate thing, which would manage your nodes for you. And so you start getting into these sort of evolutions that you could kind of see, right? You go, okay, well, there wasn't really a standard. And the thing anybody wanted to do was run a container. Okay, great, so there's ECS. Then it was, well, you know, you don't just run the container, you have to manage the nodes, you have to manage a control plane, you have these two different things. Uh, you know, Fargate comes along and then a standard comes along. So you understand that sort of progress. And if you think about that in the context of platforms versus services, you know, the platforms that all of those, I guess, are built upon would be AWS, or in some cases, you could say those are really built as kind of on the uh, EC2 platform, and then those become services on top of that, because... Even in the case of, of any of those services you talk about, you still have to manage your own load balancers. You still have to manage your own storage. You still have to manage security aspects and so forth. So, uh, I'm not getting into this to sort of make this all about containers, but you, know, you sort of you see some progress there that happens. And again you know, in the container world, uh, just as as every um, domain of technology evolves, you know, you see sort of early inclinations or in- incarnations of how to do things, you see some, hey, how do we make it better for people or simpler for people? Uh, oh, a standard came along, we probably should support that standard. And then, you know, things kind of progress. Now, the question you ask yourself is, um, you know, do we, you know, if, let's say you're a portfolio manager. Um, and again, this could be You're an internal group within a bank or an insurance company, or you could be AWS, doesn't matter. You start asking yourself, do I need to keep creating these new services? So, in the case of this app runner, um, you know, it's more of a PaaS like service, which AWS already had sort of a PaaS like service in Elastic Beanstalk, but Elastic Beanstalk was really more vm-centric you know the world now has this faction that's more uh, container centric so this is sort of a container centric sort of thing and then you have this trend sort of coming along in the container space and kubernetes space and other spaces which is like what if i don't really want to care about the nodes which again sort of takes us back to the PaaS space which you know again was six seven years ago and uh, you know sometimes ideas reincarnate themselves but it does sort of ask yourself you know like do I really need to create another services? Like, did did App Runner really have to get created? Could they have just improved Elastic Beanstalk? Could they have just improved uh, an EKS plus Fargate type of thing? And again, there's not really right one right answer to that. In some cases, because of the way your organization is structured, um, you know, you may give independent groups the ability to independently create these these new things, right? So you may just have sprawl that happens because. You know, your organization, your culture allows independent things to happen. Uh, you may have situations in which, you know, you encourage teams, you know, you sort of have some central guidance to encourage teams to build upon each other, which, you know, so, so you think about that in the context of, well, you you had this Fargate service come along and, and you had ECS and then EKS came along and then they kind of were able to build on top of each other. Um, and so it's always this question of, should I keep building... Additional features, right? So, this trend that's happened in the industry, you know, again, whether it's containers or maybe it's databases or storage management or whatever it might be, should I keep building new services uh, individually, right? Like, is that a good thing? Um, Or should I kind of stack uh, vertically features on top of something that already exists? So, let's sort of start with that premise. Um, You know, the first question that you sort of have to ask yourself uh, is, do we need yet another service? Because nothing in computing is free. Um, You know, even if there's a free tier, right? There's still some amount of maintenance that goes on. And so the first question you have to ask yourself is, do we need another service? Because there's probably, you know, some long-term thing that we have to do with that, right? Whether it's maintain it, maintain the docs, uh, maintain a certification program that we have, Um, some people that are your partners or an ecosystem or other organizations that you work with, they may depend on that thing. So the first question you sort of have to ask yourself is like if we're going to start something, are we ever planning to turn it off or, you know, do we ever plan to deprecate it because, you know, version 2 of the API or version 3 of the API comes along. So you kind of kind of take that into consideration. Now, the second one, and I kind of got to think about this uh, a little bit, is you know, AWS famously, uh, especially in the context when we sometimes we talk about Google uh, Cloud or, you know, Google services, I mean, not Google Cloud, but Google services, you know, AWS sort of always claims to famously say, well, we never turn anything off. We never get rid of a service. And, and they always point back to SimpleDB as the thing that even though they have 10 other database offerings, well, we've never turned off SimpleDB, even though maybe nobody uses it. And it got me thinking, um, you know, if you design the service well up front and it just sort of runs, is it that become more of just a marketing claim that you didn't turn something off, even if nobody uses it? Um, and if you think about that in the context of the things that you do internally, maybe that's not a terrible thing. Now, you know, again, if you're not turning it off, uh, it, that API is still active to get to. Um, yes, there's some ongoing cost, but you probably behind the scenes can start reducing the footprint that lives underneath it. Maybe it just becomes one server, one VM, one whatever. Um, but from a marketing perspective, if you, do, you, know, if you, if you, you know, think about internal communications or external marketing, it's not a terrible thing to claim. And especially if you never actually turned it off uh, and you, you know, sort of budget for the small amount that it might take, um, you know, that kind of builds confidence in people that like, oh, okay, well, even if I chose service A, Five years ago, they're never going to turn it off. But more than likely, you're probably never going to stick on that thing forever. So, uh, but it, you do have to sort of think about you know can we leave this service on forever, especially if nobody ever uses it. And you know that's there's some math involved with that. But I I, I would argue there's also a certain amount of psychology and marketing involved with that. Now, the next thing you got to do is, is sort of decide um, you know when when do you do, you know when do you extend and when do you build something new. And and I think the probably the, the most common way that you sort of go through this is, so some new trend comes along. Um, so in the case of, you know, the, these container things, you know, the new trend in containers is, I don't want to think about nodes. Um, you know, sometimes people will call it serverless containers. You know, we've been through the, you know, what does serverless mean stuff. We had, just had a great conversation with Julian Wood uh, about that. But, you know, in the context of that, you know, again, forget about the serverless part of it, you really sort of ask yourself, like, can the current service I have adjust to this new paradigm, right? Like, is it really just adding some features? Or is it really completely different? Um, And this is where you get into some really, really difficult conversations. Because if it really is just sort of a new, you know, kind of new capabilities, um, you know, this is where you start to prioritize, like, can we get those things out the door if we have current commitments to a whole lot of features and a whole lot of technical debt and other sort of backlog of stuff? Or is it best if you built your thing modularly, modularly enough that some new team can take this on? But that new team, maybe doesn't have as much expertise as you have, uh, having worked on this other service for a long period of time. So those are the sort of trade-offs that you sort of make there is like, <clears throat> do we – think we can technically do it on top of the current thing, right? So it's the, you know, the equivalent of saying like, well, I could build a sports car on top of a minivan chassis, but is that really going to accomplish the goal of having built a sports car or do I really need to build a brand new chassis for that new sports car that I can build a new engine on top of and so forth? Or is the thing we're talking about not really a sports car, it's just a variation on a minivan. Um so, you know, th- those are the sort of things that you think about. Now, if you're thinking about how this is going to be responded to in the marketplace, and again, this doesn't have to be container specific, it can be about any new set of services you're dealing with, you know, the things that your customers are going to ask you, number one is, um, did you create any tools for me or capabilities for me to migrate from one, the existing thing, which you told me last year was the, you know, silver bullet, solve all my problems to this new thing? You know, did you create tools? Do you have to create tools? Or is it just some simple migration that's just part of everyday life, right? And I guess you could argue in the container space, well, a container's a container's a container. As long as it can run on the container runtime, then it's fine. But that doesn't necessarily apply to you know some certain kinds of data migrations or other stuff where you might have to Either reformat it or you know really build a lot of different sort of operational tools around. It. So that's the first thing you sort of have to think about is how do I get somebody from A to B? And to be perfectly honest, that's sometimes a conversation that gets ignored because uh, a lot of times you're thinking, well, maybe I'm not going to be as concerned about getting people from A to B. I just want people to start fresh on on B. And you may listen to that and go, that's insane. Like people are on A. But there is another part of the market or another set of your internal customers that might have never cared about A. So that is a a conversation that that goes on and something you just have to kind of consider and, and, and figure out. The next thing is, are these services interoperable, right? Can you literally just move from one to another without changing anything? And, you know, for simple applications, you know, demos and all sorts of stuff, you don't really care. But when you have running applications and you have things that are applications that are making your business money, people are you know relying on people don't want them to go down. There's you know secondary and third order ecosystem things that are relying on them. Um, you know you can't take this for granted. And so this is another one of those big areas where you think about like, do I keep building features on the thing that I'm doing because I can pretty much guarantee interoperability, or? You know if again this interoperability is sort of a given that you can just migrate one thing from another, maybe it's just a new entry in a load balance or a new entry in DNS, whatever it might be. Um, you know, that's really important to kind of think about because that that kind of is going to impact how much um, you have to again plan for helping people get from one place to another. And you know, this is again another area where it may impact whether or not you put that burden on the existing team, the existing platform, or even the existing service, or whether you should spin up a new service and you sort of take the approach that says, I, I don't really care, right? That's that's <laughs> that's this new, the new service doesn't have to care about that. That's an old problem. And again, those are the trade-offs that the teams tend to make, which is how much do we care? How much of the market do we think shifts when we move to this new thing? And then the final thing that I kind of was thinking at is, it's, you know, people get excited about a new service. Oh, it's something new, it's something shiny. Uh, and you can talk about why it's different or some new capabilities that it have. Um, and there is some inherent, I don't know, it's, it goes back to the, uh, if you've ever seen the Don Draper episode of Mad Men, not the Don Draper, the, the uh, Polaroid, uh, or car- what they call the carousel episode of Mad Men. Uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes because it's kind of an interesting thing from a psychology perspective. Um, but it you know it showcases somebody saying you know showcasing uh, this new uh, projector that has slides in it and somebody says, why would anybody ever do this? And they they walk through and they say there's just something about new that draws people to things. And so there's there's always this thing we have in technology and I talked about it I think last week on um, you know how do we we deal with keeping up with everything new but you know we do have this sort of fascination with something new as if it really is going to solve something that we just couldn't solve before right we have we all inherently have this problem solving thing and and so it sort of is the it does sort of get to this point of like if you have an existing platform for example and you really you know have done a lot of work in the platform it's able to scale horizontally it's able to support a lot of different capabilities which you know if you think about most platforms that's the goal but at some point you know that next feature you add, those next five features you add, at some point, the market will come back to you and say, you know that thing's too heavy, right? And and we've seen this in in different uh, in instances again in the data space and the application space and in other spaces, um, and and you always have to be very conscious of the point where even if customers or users don't have to turn on those new features, that if you represent them as being part of the platform is a part of, instead of being an individual service, that sometimes people will come back to that and go, either I don't wanna pay for all that stuff, or I'm concerned about having to secure it. And again, you're going, well, you don't have to turn them on. They're not on by default. You're like, you, you can enable them as you go along. There is a certain perception that platforms eventually have, and you know, we're seeing this with every single one of the cloud providers now when people say, hey, look, there are hundreds of services in the console. I can't even find things where you have to be sort of conscious and aware of those next new features will overwhelm people they'll put doubt in their mind and that sometimes leads to the next cycle of hey maybe we should look for something simpler right something easier something i don't know less prone to maybe having a, a security uh, fault or you know new surface that it has to you know deal with an attack surface so you're always trying to find that balance between you know not only technically trying to you know, find the right place to put a feature versus a service, but you're also psychologically um, thinking about the reaction that people have in terms of, do I need all of these things? Am I paying for them? Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Uh, is my security team going to be concerned about the attack surface of them? Maybe they need to care. me. They don't. Um, but at some point, every platform, and we've seen this historically, whether it was a mainframe or windows or, you know, the space in an AWS console screen or whatever it is where people start going, that's just too big and heavy. And, and you're always trying to make sure that people don't feel like they're having to drag the burden of all these other things that they don't use along with what they do, uh, what they do lose and what they do love. So, you know, all those things really come into play in this, you know, do I keep building things in my platform? Do I keep building individual services? Are there some way to combine services so that, you know, that serviceful mindset uh, sort of works? Anyways, I kind of wanted to Mentally, sort of talk through that. I know there's there's not one right answer, um, you know. And, and again, we look at what cloud providers do. We look at what software providers are doing. Um, as you're thinking about this, as your internal teams, uh, how you build things, I think it really comes down to, you know, there are both technology aspects of it that you're trying to do, and you're trying to be mindful of, you know, how well you can reuse your team, how well you can reuse technology. But I think you also have to be psychologically mindful of the way that your users, whether those are paying customers or internal users, think about the new things that you offer. Can they keep up with them? How well do they trust that you're going to maintain them for long periods of time? Do they think that they need these features? Should those things be part of a platform? Should they be individual services? All those things really kind of have to be taken into consideration. There's no right answer to it. Um, but it is something that, you know, we do go through these periods of time, uh, in our industry at, you know, as various technologies evolve that we do need to be mindful of them and, and really kind of think hard as you're thinking about either expanding your platforms, adding new services, combining services. And so hopefully they gave you some stuff to think about. That's always what we try and do on the Sunday perspective show. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed these series uh, as we continue to do them both on Wednesdays and Sundays. Um, thanks again to everybody who, uh, you know, tells a friend about the show who helps us grow the community. Uh, You know, like I said, we're, I think we're in 150 some countries these days, which just blows our mind. And I know in some cases there might just be one person in a country listening. We appreciate you as much as we appreciate the, you know, maybe thousands of people listening in, in some larger countries. But thank you as always. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the community. Thanks for giving us feedback and ratings on uh, you know, Apple Podcasts and all the other places that you listen to the show week in and week out. And with that, we will wrap up and talk to you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.